Couchet, and good evening, everyone. This is John Lasher from Partners in Health Sierra Leone, and today is Tuesday, April 21st. Seven new coronavirus cases were confirmed in Sierra Leone today, bringing the total number of cases in the country up to 50. Most of those cases are in Freetown, though there are three cases in Kenema and one in Tonkalili. Around 40% of all of the confirmed cases in the country are healthcare workers. I wanted to let everyone on the team know that last week, uh, Dr. Paul Farmer, Byler, Momo Jimmy, and myself spoke with the president of Sierra Leone, President Matabio, and the Minister of Health, Alpha Wuri, to discuss how Partners in Health could get more involved in the national coronavirus uh, response. President Matabio asked Partners in Health to do two things. The first, was to take lessons from our work in America, where we're hiring a thousand contact tracers to help get ahead of the virus in Massachusetts, to take lessons from that plan and bring them to the national contact tracing plan in Sierra Leone. The second was around supporting the laboratory pillar to find ways to bring more laboratory tests into Sierra Leone. Both of these, we are committed to helping and supporting the government of Sierra Leone. Uh, we know Resources are limited, but we're going to try our best to help launch a national contact tracing initiative in collaboration with the Emergency Operations Center, the Ministry of Health, and also all of the districts and uh, district health management teams and district emergency operations centers around the country. Now, the plan around contact tracing in Sierra Leone, uh, part of it is based on the work that we're doing in Massachusetts, but also the work in Massachusetts has been informed by the work we did as an organization here in Sierra Leone during the Ebola outbreak. And I wanted to bring on the Chief Medical Officer for Partners in Health, Dr. Joya Mukherjee, who I know many of you have met on her many trips to Sierra Leone, to explain a little bit more about what's happening in Massachusetts and how that work is linked directly to all of our efforts in Sierra Leone during the Ebola outbreak. Hi everyone, this is Joya Mukherjee. I'm the Chief Medical Officer of Partners in Health and I'm really happy to be talking to the folks in Sierra Leone today. Thanks, Joya. And I will say, as we get started, um, my mom has been watching you on different news networks and every time sends me video updates, so she's going to be very excited to listen to this. <laughs> Um, so, All right. so um, you've been working at, at PIH for two decades now, maybe over two dec decades now, yeah. um, all around the world. And can you tell us a little bit about sort of what makes the coronavirus uh, pandemic different than some of the other epidemics you've, you've fought over the years? Yeah, so, you know, I think Partners in Health has been around for 35 years, and we know that epidemics always affect the most vulnerable, and so that's one of the reasons we've had a lot of focus on infectious disease, like HIV and tuberculosis, Ebola, cholera. Um, this uh, epidemic is really, truly a pandemic and is affecting people in every country in the world. And that makes it a little different because there's a spotlight on the disease, even in Europe, even in the United States. Um, and often it's hard for partners in health to get enough attention. 
to bring resources into the diseases we fight if they're only uh, in more impoverished countries. But in this case, it's everywhere. So that is easier for us on the communication side. Everyone understands how serious this is. Um, On the other hand, it does make it harder because countries are scrambling and fighting against one another for resources like personal protective gear. So the other pandemic that we've been involved in, HIV, also had this disparity where only wealthy countries were able to get the drugs for almost a decade. Um, And so but it was a little bit slower. So we have to simultaneously be helping people in the United States, but also really keeping our eyes on Sierra Leone and really trying to get resources um, for, for Sierra Leone and other countries in Africa and in Haiti and in Latin America. And so that really makes it different. The other thing about coronavirus is it's just highly contagious. And so um, like Ebola, it's very easy just being in close quarters to transmit it. It's even a little more transmissible because of the uh, respiratory symptoms. And so we have to be really on top of contact tracing, which is something that allowed Sierra Leone to really... um, do well in the fight against Ebola. And so that's lessons that we need to take from around the world about tracing every contact. We were asked by the governor of Massachusetts to help uh, do contact tracing. Can you talk a little bit about what the epidemic looks like in Massachusetts, why Partners in Health is getting involved in Massachusetts and what that um, contact tracing strategy looks like? Yeah, so... One of the things we talk about a lot at Partners in Health is the comprehensive nature of our work, that our work is prevention and it's also treatment, that our work is taking care of the individual and really understanding the social forces. And unfortunately, the American medical system is not comprehensive. It really is focused pretty exclusively on treatment, um, not at all on prevention or public health, and not at all on the social forces or social determinants of health. So what we've seen is in the U.S., people are just waiting passively in the hospitals and then scrambling to take care of the sick and not doing any strategy to have prevention efforts and contact tracing. And so we were known for helping the government of Sierra Leone and the government of Liberia during Ebola, other governments for tuberculosis, HIV, cholera. And so the governor said, well, is there something that Partners in Health can help us with to track this epidemic down? Because he understood the need for a preventive strategy as well. So we looked at our notes and we understood what what we all collectively had to do in Ebola. And in fact, we were specifically referencing Sierra Leone. Um, as many of you remember, the last case, last cases were in Tonkalili um, and that those were successfully traced down uh, by you know, every car that went into Tonkalili, people had to get out, have their fever checked, wash their hands, have their 
names recorded and eventually uh, we got to zero and that's uh, the the model going from Tonkalili to, as we say, Tewksbury, Massachusetts, Tonkalili to Tewksbury, uh, that we're trying to uh, deploy in Massachusetts. So, uh, you know, a lot of lessons learned from our collective work with the Ministry of Public Health um, and with the NERC and other uh, uh, groups in Sierra Leone that are being applied now in Massachusetts. It's also valued and being recognized from the Minister of Health and the President of the country of Sierra Leone that, you know, what's happening in, in Massachusetts right now is born out of partially the experience uh, in Tonkalili and beyond in, in Sierra Leone. So, and I keep saying, you know, even though Sierra Leone is among the most vulnerable countries in the world, they're better prepared for this um, epidemic than you know, Massachusetts was in a lot of ways. Um, but that being yeah. said, it's still, um, it's, it's a really challenging time. And we're looking for ways to support national contact tracing here. What lessons do you think we should be applying in Sierra Leone that you're learning, you know, as you're rolling out work in Massachusetts and the work you've done for two decades? Yeah, so yeah, I really want to, again, just highlight the strong uh, work in West Africa to end the Ebola crisis. And I do also note to my colleagues in Massachusetts and elsewhere across the United States that in February, I was in Sierra Leone with many of you. I was in uh, Liberia as well. And in both places, I had temperature screening at that time. Uh, I was asked about travel history to China. Um, I was, uh, my cell phone number was recorded. So, and then returning to the United States in February, there was no screening at all at the airport. And so I felt uh, reassured that the heightened awareness and the systems that were developed and reinforced during Ebola were already at work. So amazing kudos to to that. I also think that Sierra Leone in particular has done so much work in uh, communicable diseases like loss of fever. Um, the great Dr. Khan, who perished during the Ebola crisis, is always remembered um, at these kind of times. But We've had small outbreaks of Lhasa that were contained quickly. Um, you know, we, we lost our great friend Walter from the last uh, Lhasa uh, outbreak. But, uh, you know, the, there are systems in place that will stop these things before they spread. So we have to redouble our efforts in doing that. Um, and I think the the lessons learned between, you know, going back and forth, the United States and let's say Sierra Leone are uh, vigilance and surveillance are essential. That is what allowed us to rapidly control a Lhasa epidemic uh, in 2019 that only, I think, claimed, I mean, in every life is valuable, so, but claimed much fewer lives than it could have. Um, and so that ongoing surveillance by fever screening, by symptom screening, by travel history is very important. Um, I think the main thing that we've learned, though, across PIH, and John, of course, you've been a huge part of this for so many years now, is you cannot do control of infection without social support. 
Um, it's not possible to just put people on lockdown if they don't have food and if they don't have work. So we've got to think of strategies that will allow the most vulnerable to survive and still take adequate public health measures. And so, you know, how does that work? I remember one amazing story from my colleagues at Wellbody um, during Ebola in Kono district when a family was identified with one person with Ebola. They happened to be lucky enough to have two rooms in their home. They separated the one uh, person with Ebola. The rest of the family stayed in the other room. And our amazing community health workers from Kono and Wellbody came and delivered uh, food to that house. They put it a safe distance away and the family would come and get the food after the community health worker left. So there was no contact between the community health worker and the family. But it's that kind of thing, lessons learned, that are the most important lessons at this time, that control has to be about solidarity and protection for the vulnerable and not like a kind of policing and how we get the balance of public health right and still protect the vulnerable is always going to be where Partners in Health puts our effort. Amen to that. Um, one um, question that keeps coming up here uh, is just the availability of laboratory diagnostics and how quickly mm-hmm. um, right now, you know, uh, there's a dwindling supply of PCR tests in the country. And there's, from a lot of the technical experts, there's some questions about rapid diagnostics and there's some excitement about gene expert cartridges. And I know this is a little bit of a in the weeds question, but is there any movement you're seeing in a positive way or even a negative way around availability of diagnostics? Yes, I think um, I think we're seeing a lot of new tests come up. We're, we're going to see studies come up uh, and be published soon about how rapid antibody tests and when um, and why we would use them. Um, there are you know, more sensitive antigen tests. There are even going to be uh, tests that come up that use the uh, perhaps saliva instead of the nasal swab, which will be easier. So I think this is rapidly evolving. And again, we did see that during Ebola times as well. If you all remember, there was just one centralized lab in the country. And over time, those labs became decentralized, put in container laboratories um, and used with the glove box so that um, it was much easier to do it and remain free of contagion. And so I think that we're going to see that even more rapidly because of the fact that this is truly a global pandemic. And so Partners in Health has been working to try to get the rapid diagnostics for countries who want them, uh, both the antigen and antibody tests, not necessarily because we thought, well, certainly not because we thought they were a gold standard, but that we thought by putting our money into different sources that would create the demand and stimulate scientists and um, and and commercial labs to try to do more. So we tried to use our little bit of volume as an NGO to help shape the market. And that's what we've done with the new drugs for 
tuberculosis that we're now using in LACA. Um, that's what we did with the cholera vaccine efforts uh, that John really led in Haiti and in Sierra Leone. Sometimes just doing uh, purchasing early on will send a signal to markets to ramp up and to scale and to try different strategies. So that's what we really hope to do with our early purchases of of rapid diagnostics. And those antibody tests have pro proven to be quite useful in Peru and in Haiti where they're being used. Um, but there will be other tests. And I think with this global pandemic, it's obvious the need is there. And how do you see the pandemic evolving right now? Um, I know no one has a crystal ball as to how this is, is going to go, but um, do you have any takeaways from where we are in this epidemic curve as a global society? Well, the best case scenario is Rwanda, and we, we all need to learn there's no country in my mind that has done this as well at scale nationally as Rwanda. We need to keep our eye on what they're doing, which is tracing every contact. Um, the government is supporting isolation and quarantine with food, hotel rooms, etc. And they have had only 134 cases in the first month of um, the virus arriving in their country and have done uh, thousands of tests. So we need to look at these ratios of how many contacts are traced, how many people are really able to quarantine, and that needs a lot of support and then uh, try to do as many tests as we can um, to really use this as a screening tool. And I know tests are limited. There may be a way to do this with a, with a clinical diagnosis of suspected COVID. Um, but I think we, we need to keep our eyes on the successes. Uh, we don't wanna keep our eyes on the US. It's been a very much of a failure with no real public health strategy until very, very late in the game. So Sierra Leone has public health principles in place, and I'm hoping that those can immediately be deployed into the areas that are most needed so it doesn't spread uh, throughout the country. Yeah. What's keeping you motivated and energized during this period? All of you. I mean... The collective efforts, I always think of Maforki and that sign in the front of the, you know, collective efforts of Sierra Leone, Americans, the Cubans. This is the time we need solidarity. We need people to come together. And, you know, I, I understand people's feeling of isolation and demoralization but we're always a team and we're always in solidarity and we always can find each other, um, at least like we're doing today on the internet um, and be together. And that's, that's what keeps me motivated that, you know, we've got the best team in the world. This is the team I want to be in the fight with for the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to beat this, but I think those public health principles we've all learned together in places like Sierra Leone should be at the forefront of this response. Ah, thank you so much, Joy. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. And thank you to all of you who have been listening to these audio updates. If you have ideas for other people to be interviewed on these audio updates, or if there's information 
you'd like us to cover, please let me know. Just reach out to me by email or WhatsApp, and I'll be happy to schedule those in. Hope everyone's having a great week so far, and we'll be talking to you very soon.